right, so today I have a very special guest, the owner of Green Elephant, Mr. Shan. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I just want to say thank you for giving me your time, first of all. It's the first on-location interview <laughs> I've done, and, you, you know, I wanted to get you because, you know, this place has been a privilege to come to, to the community. You know, there's nowhere like it. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, don't feel comfortable in certain environments. So they come here because it's a no judgment zone. You know, you can be yourself, dress any kind of way. Absolutely. I've seen a guy in a tutu come in here and just dance his ass off. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Definitely. So let me ask you this. What made you choose this location specifically? Well, what happened was back in 94, we were one street over mm -hmm. and our landlord was dying and he decided to sell the building and pretty much sold it out from under us. We didn't even have a chance to bid on it. Wow. And we had this location as home bar. Mm-hmm. And it was just a private party venue that we rented out for events. Okay. And I tried to find a place to move the Green Elephant, and there just wasn't anything. So I said, we're just going to move it over to Home Bar. We're going to do a name change, and we're going to make that the, this location the Green Elephant. And the fact that we had, you know, the big beer garden in the back... I mean, it just, it made perfect sense in my, in my book. Yeah. And we can do a whole lot more here than we could do over there. Cause like when we wanted to do big events over at the other location, we had to block off all the parking that was there and it was a mess. And then the city started charging us to block off. Oh uh, yeah. And it's like, wait, this is already my parking spaces. <laughs> Why do I have to pay you to put a fence around it? Mm -hmm. So this is so much better. I can do good size events. We don't have to charge a lot of money for it. And uh, that's how we ended up moving over here. It took about 14 months to get all the paperwork yeah. to go through. And, and uh, I don't know if you're aware, but it's a fantastic location. All the SMU kids can just come over and, oh, yeah. you know, have a drink. You know, even though we don't like them too much, <laughs> you know. I, I, I like them because we have our college night. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, it's only 32 days out of the year. Yeah. Because it's only on Thursday, and it's only eight of the months. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't come here during the summer. Um, and over Christmas to January. Yeah. And, like, honestly, the good thing about this place is, like, say, for instance, if it's not for you, you know, it's not for you. It's it's not a place where there's a lot of, out, you know, a lot of outsiders. I, I call your guest uh, uh, Green Amphibians. Yeah. You know, so if you're not a green amphibian, you'll probably walk out immediately. It happened to me my first time. Uh, my first time here, uh, they had uh, a fire night. And the first thing the guy says on stage was like, all right, who's ready to die? And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, 
uh, excuse me, do I need like, am I good drinking this? Like, if it, if this is some kind of like, you know, suicide goal, I'll just be on my way. Don't judge me, you know. But but it was baptized by fire night, and they sure. had like the fire whip, you know. It was, oh yeah. It it was it was really really fun. So you you have to be of the culture to enjoy it. You do, and the other thing is. It also can depend on the night, because where you might not fit in one night, you might be locked in perfect on another oh, yeah. night and feel right at home. So it just kind of depends, and that's what we've always tried to do. Number one, we're welcoming no matter what day it is. Yeah. But if you feel uncomfortable on one particular day, I promise you there's another day that you'll come in and you'll be right at home. Oh, Yeah. And another thing I love about this place is you give, like, young artists a chance. Like, Absolutely. my uh, friend, um, Novea, he's performed here countless amount of times. Uh, a lot of local artists have, you know, just turned the place out. Like, yep. it's a very good place for local artists to come and, like, get your feet wet. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because, you know, if you're, I tell everybody that's like breaking out, I say you should have your first concert at the Green Elephant because it'll definitely, you know, it'll definitely be a learning experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what what came or who came up with the name Green Elephant? Uh, we bought it from the people when it was over at the other place. Mm-hmm. Two of my partners, I grew up with them. Uh, one of them on the same street. We've known each other since he was nine. Yeah. I was ten. And then the other one I knew when he was in high school and I had just graduated. And they had been working at the Green Elephant. And I told them, hey, I had this weird dream. I was off in college mm-hmm. that we bought the elephant. And they just laughed. They were like, they're never going to sell it. And I said, look, just send me the paperwork all your sales over the last three years let me see if I can come up with a number that we can make work sure enough came up with a number they agreed boom and so we bought it and so the name was already Green Elephant (laughs) so yeah catchy (laughs) yeah yeah and then when we moved over to this location we were there for 14 years and we owned it for 10 of it and then we moved over here in January of 2005. It took about 14 months to do the name change and jump through the hoops. And it's been Green Elephant since my birthday of 2006, which mm. was February 28th. Now, how would you describe the Green Elephant in your own words? Because how I describe it to people is like a mini Woodstock every week. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good explanation we you can't always be all things to all people but you can try to be as inviting to all people and that's what we try to do so that's kind of like Woodstock you know that's what they did and it didn't matter who you were and even the people that lived around Woodstock were helping all the kids when they showed up can you imagine 400,000 people I, walking into your neighborhood? I have no idea how I mean, they pulled that thing off. So that's what we try to do. We try to be as accommodating as we can, as friendly to everybody as we possibly can. Oh, yeah. So that everybody has a good experience. And it may not be perfect every time, but we're going to try to make it as perfect as we can for everybody. 
Yeah, and one thing I can say, even if it's not, because I've taken some people here, and they're like, why did you take me here? Why did you bring me here? And even if it's not for them, they said it was very welcoming and inviting. Yeah, you know? yeah that's good. And I, I like that. Yeah. Because it may have been the particular night. You know? Yeah, and I inc- I think everybody should experience it at least once. I think so too. You know, because you never you, you know you never know like a drum circle. You know, you invite people to a drum circle. You know, you can dance, you can yep. meet new people, have fun. Uh, inside, there's usually a rave going on too. So you know, if you've never been to a and rave, then we before, have all the vendors out back. Yeah. So. Now, how do you choose vendors, or do vendors They have just... to sign a vendor agreement, mm-hmm. obviously, to not engage in illegal activity. Mm-hmm. And then we we check all their gear when they first come in. Yeah. And then if something happens, you know, that's that's kind of our our gray area that we try to we try to make sure they're not doing anything stupid. Yeah. You know, because I'm ultimately responsible for anything that happens in here. Even with the vendor agreement signed. I mean, if we're lax on our side... Now, if somebody pulls a fast one on us, as long as we're doing our due diligence, we're not going to get in trouble. But if yeah. we get lax, then we can get in trouble too. We could even lose our liquor license. Yeah, so. and we don't want that. And we don't want that. <laughs> So, you know, not, especially not post-COVID. Like, we need to exactly. drink. Exactly. <laughs> we need to exactly. drink. Like, that was one of my uh, biggest fears, are the liquor stores got to close. And thank God they left them open. Uh, they left them open. <laughs> they said, I think I remember, they said that they felt like it was for medicinal purposes because if alcoholics didn't get their alcohol... They would go into shock and end up dying. Yeah, you can't actually... Have you seen the TV show True Blood? Yeah, uh, the HBO show? Yeah, Yeah. you remember uh, Lafayette? Yeah. That's how he died. He was an alcoholic and he tried to... uh, quit uh cold turkey oh, you can't do that yeah yeah like it's funny the human body is made to survive oh yeah so if you're an alcoholic it'll be like okay i don't want this but how can i work with this so the fact that he didn't have it yeah. you know it kind of put him into uh shock yeah, a little so bit so yeah yeah great actor great yep. actor so like how did you for anybody listening that wants to start their own business how did you front the money for this business i know it was a lot of saving involved well, no, actually what we did was we we found investors because typically banks aren't going to touch bars. Oh. There's a 95% failure rate in the first three years, and of the 5% that's left, half of those will fail within the next two. So within five years, you've 95% of them are gone. Yeah. So what you have to do is... You have to find some people that'll back you. You have to have a a good business plan. And you have to make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Yes. If you're trying to get tail or (laughs) throw a party every night, you're going to screw yourself. You have to be responsible. You have to be a business person. Yeah. Like any drinks that I ever have, I, I still have to pay as an owner. Mine are cheaper, obviously. Yeah. But... I still make sure that it's all paid for, and if I buy somebody a drink, even though they're not paying for it, I'll pay for it, or we'll put it on some type of comp tab. 
Yeah. But you have to make sure you keep keep all your num watch all your numbers. Yeah, because that's and, and that's the thing that people don't understand. They don't get when, it. Yeah, when, when, they're like, oh, they look at Donald just, Trump and they're like, oh, I'm gonna become a billionaire and start my own business. And like uh, being an entrepreneur myself, I find it harder than having a nine to five. I'm like, are you sure you want to like leave the nine to five, go into business for yourself? Because honestly having somebody telling you when you can take a break and not is more structure in my opinion sure. than you having your own business because your business it becomes your baby yeah. like even on my off days i'm thinking okay how can i make this better or how can i make my guests more you know more comfortable so it, exactly. it, it's it's difficult it's very difficult and it's hard work if you want to be successful at this and i i, I always tell people you need to make sure you're working alongside your crew. You can't be what I call an absentee owner. Oh, yeah. We call them tourist owners. <laughs> it's where you just pop in, you'll spark some orders, and then you suddenly you're gone. You well, know, that's you're trying that... to micromanage for 10 minutes, and they're like, what the hell? We've been busting our ass for the last five hours during the shift and you're going to walk in and start bitching yeah well that's more like a manager that. to me that i yeah, order but you, you know? but you can't do that for five or ten minutes you need to be working with them so that you can address whatever issues that the bar's having that the staff's having things that you can work on that you see i mean the attention to detail is a must yeah you're always going to see things that need to be fixed changed adjusted almost on a daily or weekly schedule yeah. I mean, there's and, and I feel stuff. like those people are only in it for the money because if you have a business that you care about you're going to be hands on you know you 24-7 you like be. you don't have to be here right now you know you don't but Correct. you do because you love it you I know? do I do I love it and you know the probably the gold standard in Dallas is for the bar business or better explained the hospitality industry would be uh katie trail ice house mm. that place when they opened it, it just took off like a rocket right place right time they were generating so much revenue they started buying the property around them i mean i know people that work there i mean that is the place that that's the gold standard yeah. in in dallas they hit they didn't just hit a home run. They hit a grand slam home run. <laughs> and there was actually four people on base, not three. Wow. I mean, it, it, they're that amazing over there. Well, I'm going to have to visit them one day. You need to just go <laughs> over there and check it out. Yeah. Now, I know uh, this place itself does a lot for the uh, community. But do you do any, like, extra things for the community at all? Like a charity or anything like that? What we do is... A charity would come to us mm -hmm. and say we want to throw an event and then what we would do is we would basically I would cover what would normally be a lot of the cost mm -hmm. to do an event like I might pay for the sound I'll handle the, the security stuff that normally a promoter would pay for I'll pay for that that's my donation which will save them like three to nine hundred dollars 
and then they can do the event and it makes it affordable and then whatever they make at the door however they structure everything they get to keep 100% of it for their charity wow that's nice of you yeah <laughs> we try to give back so that's that's how we try to do it is give them uh, a location to throw a function mm-hmm. so. now to who do you owe your success like who are some of your role models or people you look up to well, obviously, my father, he was an international businessman for, Jesus, 40-something years, 50 wow. years. And uh, my grandfather, Dutch McKinnon, and I, I, once I finally got into this, I realized for me to be successful... I need to make sure I work well with other people and take care of my staff. That's one thing my father taught me. Make sure that you take care of the people that make you the money. And you do. It's not always... When you're dealing with alcohol, the customer is unfortunately not always right. Yeah. Because there's usually inebriation involved. But if you always back your staff... You always give them first right of refusal so to speak you listen to what their story is then you go listen to what your staff says they never match <laughs> you just try to find a, a good middle ground for it but you have to take care of your people Yeah. and if you take care of your staff they're always almost always I mean you always have the black sheep or whatever but they're, they're going to take care of you because yeah. they're the ones making you money if you treat them right they're going to keep making you money. And you say your grandfather taught you this? My grandfather and my father. Man, you could write a book because there's a lot of people that don't understand that. Like they look at employees as that employees, you know. They're like, oh, they're disposable. We can I, give another one. But, you know, no. it's a whole, it should be a family thing. Like if, like I feel like the employees is, is just as much as part of a business as a business owner. If, if They're the leg... ones that come in contact with the customer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on a literally, on a purchasing basis, because the customer goes up to them and says, I want a Coors Light. The money changes hands. They're the ones having contact. Yeah. And, yeah. and like I've seen, like I've worked for business owners and I've seen horrible employees make a 360 just because the person cared yeah you know what i mean he's Absolutely. they go okay this guy definitely cares about me he's not just the boss he's like the uncle i never had so let me put in that much effort that much more effort to you know <laughs> make this job worthwhile absolutely and i would tell anybody as they're if they're getting into this business at the beginning you know just to remember your employees are literally your greatest asset. Yeah. And treat them that way. And if you do, they're going to help make you a lot of money. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the key right there. That's the golden rule. And that's what everybody wants to make. The employees want to make a lot of money. My job is to give the employee all the tools that they need for them to be successful. So if I'm not doing my job right, then they're not going to be able to do their job right which means none of us are going to make money, right? So it's you see how that little mm. symbiotic relationship works? Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. So. Now, now, what do you hate most about the job? 
I think the most difficult thing is if you're dealing with somebody who's had too much to drink and they just, all they want to do is argue. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how hard you try to, to help them. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. And that's the most frustrating. Yeah. You know? Now, what do you like most about the job? The fact that every day is different. Even though I may do the drum jam every Wednesday, every drum jam is different. Every situation is different. I'm not sitting behind a desk all night, you know? I get to interact with other people. We have, you know, all the different shows that we do. All the different people I get to come in contact with. I mean, all the promoters that I, especially the beginning promoters, helping them get off the ground and how to do their job better. Oh, yeah. And we try to help them, you know, because we we do about, what, 250 events a year. And so we have a perspective for new promoters that we can help them grow and do better at their job. Yeah, like you help a lot of small businesses that people wouldn't even, like, look at. Yeah. You know, like... The chick selling uh, CBD, you know, edibles and CBD cake pops. Like, I just left Colorado not too long ago. Nobody in the world, I don't think, is doing it like she's doing it. Because it's boutique, you know, it's boutique, you know. Nobody, you know, thinks to put a feminine touch. They just say, oh, well, we're going to put some CBD. We're just going to throw it out on a table and (laughs) somebody buys it. They can do that at any vitamin shop or you know if that's what you want to do exactly you know know? and and like i saw you know two young girls they can't be over like 25 with their business you know selling jewelry and stuff you know what i mean i feel like there should be a green elephant in every city (laughs) boy i would love that but i think at this particular point in time being 57 that I don't know if I have the energy to start franchising. Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, and, and, and like a lot of people don't like to franchise because they feel like it loses its touch. Sure. You know, but um, let me ask you this. So, like, say for instance, if there was a green elephant in every city, like, how would you go about that? Like, what would you... Oh, shit. Uh... Because I know there's one in Austin, but those are the only two I know. And California doesn't count because it's like Green Elephant every day. Like, you walk outside. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, there's... I think almost, especially in every big town, there's probably something similar Mm -hmm. to what we're doing. Maybe not exactly. Yeah. But there's probably something similar in every large town. Maybe not... It may not be 9,000 square feet like we are. It might be, you know, 3,000 square feet. It may not have a huge backyard like we do. Maybe it's just got a little patio. But I always think there's always something in every town in in some neighborhood where there's something like the green elephant. Yeah. You know, I'm not naive enough or conceited enough to think that somehow... I've created something just so amazing <laughs> yeah. that unless they come talk to me, somebody else can't recreate at least the style. Yeah. So, and I, if there's people out there doing it right now, and I'm sure there is, I wish them all the luck in the world. 
Oh, uh, yeah, because it's really, uh, I'm telling you, man, like, I've been to uh, different types of clubs. You know, I've been to S4, I've been to, you know, vinyl, and there are some people that, you know, it's just not their thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, sure. I, I, I went to Deep Ellum, and I'm like, I've totally outgrown this place, man. <laughs> you know, but, you know, Green Elephant is like, it gives you the alternative. You sure. know, like, like if you don't want to like dress up all fancy and go to like a high dollar club, you know, or if you don't want to, you know, go to uh, Highland Park and go to Uptown, you can come here yeah. and just be yourself. Exactly. You know, because some people can't like don't have the time to like dress up or put on Gucci. Sometimes exactly. they, you just want to get out the house, have a few beers, and, and do be a drum Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and that's what you give. Now, have you read any, like, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs, they read a lot of self-help books and whatnot. Have you read any? I have not. (laughs) I have not. You're like, I have grandparents and a father. I don't need that shit. (laughs) I went to to college for hotel restaurant management. So I read those books, (laughs) obviously, so I would make good grades. But as far as, you know read this book it'll make you a better person at doing this job i think maybe it can give you some guidance but i don't know i don't know how much stock i can always put in books like that cuz yeah. obviously they're just trying to make money yeah so. and also i feel like you know like you said you listen like i think the key that a lot of people miss and especially kids of my age they don't listen to their elders like exactly we think we know everything like if we matter of fact we don't think we know we know more than you even though you have some years on us times have changed <laughs> yeah like it's impossible for you to know what's going on in 2020 but what they don't understand is there's nothing new under the sun like time repeats itself sure like even with like COVID, yes we haven't seen anything like this but there was the you know what mexican flu like a hundred years ago yeah the influenza the spanish flu that's right yeah so i mean like nothing's new under the sun it's just a different version like a remix so you being smart enough to actually following your dad's footsteps following your grandfather's footsteps helped and my great-grandfather too oh he was a business owner too yeah Wow. McKinnon Street downtown. Mm-hmm. It's named here in Dallas. It's named after my great grandfather. Oh wow! How yeah. did he? How did he swing that? <laughs> I don't know. That was at the turn of the century, and I I have no idea. He was a huge gambler. I know that, <laughs> and he was into local politics, both here and in Houston. That definitely helps. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is your mom in the uh, politics? She's in real estate. Real estate. Yeah, my dad's in real estate. Yeah, it's a good trade to have. Now. Um, I don't know if you know. I'm pretty sure you know. Your mom has told you because real estate agent. My dad's in real estate, so like whenever I try to move somewhere, he always warns me like, "Be careful, because this area in like a couple of years is gonna be this." And there's a lot of people from L.A. moving to Dallas. Yeah. You know, and I was talking to my friend in L.A. and she just parked her car for like three minutes and saw like ash on her car. Yeah. And like a lot of people are like moving out of LA and some of the spots they're moving to are Dallas. So with that being said, I well, really welcome them. Yeah, cuz I really believe Dallas is going to be the new LA in about 2 to 3 years. They're already getting it's started. It's possible. They're already getting started. And with that being said, how would you like if this place came became like a tourist attraction? 
Uh, it would definitely be more work. It would definitely be more work. And I wouldn't care. The more, the merrier. <laughs> you know, more, more work, but more money. You yeah, know. it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah. That'd be great. Definitely. Now, another question I wanted to ask you is, do you have any, like, partners in the business at all? Are you I the do. sole business owner? I have four partners. Uh, one is a silent partner, and then Brad, that's bartending. Mm-hmm. He's a partner. And then Jake, he peeked his head in earlier, and uh, he's the partner. I'm the primary yeah, how so, do you how do you go about choosing your partners? Because I know very carefully. Yeah, because I know it's a very like whenever I see a group of people starting a business, I applaud them because it's not easy. The <laughs> hardest thing is now when we originally started, it was me, Peter, and Adam. There was three of us, and Adam's still here. Peter sold his shares to Jake. But they always say, don't go into business with your friends. <laughs> In our case, although we had our ups and downs, the one good thing about people that were as close of friends as we were, there was an amount of trust that you don't get mm-hmm. by becoming partners with somebody that you've only known for three or four years. Yeah, and like-mindedness probably helps Like-minded too. <laughs> helps. And we also had our, we kind of fed off each other. Like whatever one person's strength is, uh, they they would do their thing. And then my strength might be a little something else. And then the other partner would be something else. So mm-hmm. it all, it, it worked pretty well. And it didn't, it didn't destroy our friendship. Yeah. We've all, we're all still friends. We all went out for steaks last night, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but you have to be really careful about who you choose. Yeah. Friends don't always work like ours did, but you need to set up your control systems so that there's no chance for anybody to kind of screw over mm-hmm. the other person. Yeah. And it's funny because like... Checks and balances have to be in place mm-hmm. where everybody's comfortable. Yeah. And it's funny because I was talking to uh, one of my friends out there, and he said the only consistent thing without, without all throughout each religion is the flood. But there's another thing that's consistent. Uh, there's a scripture in like any Bible you'll pick up that says, "In business, be men," you know. And I feel like that's where the friendship thing kind of collides and top gets topsy turvy because people want to put feelings involved you know like sure. have you ever heard that saying yeah. it's nothing personal man of it's course. just business it's like business you know yeah i mean and it, it, you can run into some trouble in situations like that but you know my experience has been i would rather be in business with people i'm friends with and i know than people that i'm just an acquaintance or a yeah. business partner you yeah. know i want to break bread with people yeah, you know definitely, definitely. that. That's kind of like my thing is if we haven't broken bread, then we're not really friends. We're just acquaintances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Once we break bread, dude, there you go. Definitely. What steakhouse did you guys go to? We went to Bob's. Uh, have you ever been to Papa Bros? Uh, I have not. Man, 
best steak in Dallas. Really? Hands down. Right. I like best steak it. in Dallas. They're a little on the they're a little on the pricey side, but you know, you get what you you get what you pay for. Yeah. Uh, they have one of the best wine selections in the country. Oh, that's cool. They have wine from that's like 800 years old. You wow. know, and um the owner is really nice too. Like he really um sets the standard. Like uh he says there's one server for a table. No server has two tables. They only have one. Wow. So they can cater to you the most. If you're, uh, and it kind of caught me off guard my first time being there because I was eating the bread and there was like crumbs. And the guy walked up on me. I thought he was going to, yeah, I thought he was going to scroll me. But, right you know, away, he just cleaned it up. You know, if you, oh, yeah. if you order like a slice of cake, he'll give you dessert silverware you know and me being from you know texas the country i'm like hey i'll eat it with anything yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah i highly recommend popper bro well you, i'm you, gonna you, i'm gonna check it out then you won't be disappointed and, and he like dominates everything like he has uh mexican restaurant papacitos best oh, tex-mex yeah. uh papados uh sure. great seafood like his restaurant and he recently opened a burger and um a couple of barbecue places too wow but yeah but but he owned like i got a chance to talk to him one day i was smoking cigars and i was like hey does anybody know about any good steak places and he was like yeah mine <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah well, so, good. so do you have any questions for me i don't nice i don't cut dry and sink I'm, I'm just here for you my man thank you well thank you for giving me your time you know this has been a great experience like i said it's the first in-house interview i've done well thank and you it's been fun man i loved it it's been a pleasure thank you for putting the spotlight on the green elephant i really do appreciate yeah and it. thank you for what you're doing for the community like i know so many people that would be in like worse shape you know, if well, this place wasn't open, you're a great boss and a great human being, and I just want to well, thank, thank you for you. that. I appreciate it. No problem. All right.